Okay, greetings in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I would like to thank you for joining our breakthrough service today. We're going to turn to, to the book of Acts chapter 15, verse 7 to 12. We're going to continue today with the series titled, Turning the World Upside Down. Turning the World Upside Down. Today our focus is going to be on the constraint of the church. The constraint of the church. And we're going to look into this particular text today and we're going to ask God to enlighten us so that we are now able to understand what happened in this in this particular chapter? We know that we have been dealing with the six-part series. We're on part four right now. And God has been um, introducing and showing us some, some interesting things that has, that has definitely brought enlightenment to us. And I believe God has, um, has revealed some amazing things. And I believe that it's a prophetic message to churches and to the body of Christ. And when we look through this particular series, there's some things that God is going to unlock to us as his children. And this is going to enable us now so that we can move and progress further and further. I'm excited because I know God is going to do an amazing thing as you take these few messages and just listen to it and look at your progress of your church, look at the challenges you are facing and look at what God has said to you. I love when we look at the, the first three that we did, we spoke about the charge of the church, the message of the church and the challenge of the church. Today's one is focusing on the constraint of the church, the constraint of the church. And we're going to zoom into this. So we're looking at Acts chapter 15, verse 7 to 12. <clears throat> the Bible says, And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brethren, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God who knows the heart bore witness to them, giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you put God to the test by placing upon the neck of the disciples a yoke which our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the same way as they also are and all the multitude kept silent they were listening to barnabas and paul as they were relating what signs and wonders god had done through them among the gentiles let's pray father i pray today that you touch my lips so that i will speak your word i thank you lord that i shall fill my mouth with your words so that the utterance of my mouth will bring glory to your name father i pray for every person that listening and every person that is in range of my voice will be transformed and impacted by this insight and teaching today in the mighty name of jesus christ father today i want to give you all the praise all the glory and all the honor for what you're about to do in jesus mighty name and we all say amen so we're looking at the series as i say turning the world upside down the progress of the gospel has often been hindered by people with closed minds who stand in front of open doors and block the way for others. I'm going to say that again. The progress of the gospel has often been hindered by people with closed minds who stand in front of open doors and block the way for others. 
in, 19, in 1786, when William Carey laid the burden of world missions before a ministerial meeting in Northampton, England, the eminent Dr. Ryland said to him, young man, sit down. When God pleases to convert the heathen, he will do it without your aid or mine. More than one spirit-filled servant of God has had to enter open doors of opportunity without the support of churches and religious leaders. Paul and his associates faced the same challenge at the Jerusalem conference about 20 years after Pentecost. Courageously, they defended both the truth of the gospel and the missionary outreach of the church. There were three stages when we look at this event, there are different or, or three stages when we're gonna that we are looking through this particular event that God will that God is enlightening us in this particular passage, passage of scripture, portion, portion of scripture, sorry. And we're gonna see how God is gonna how how we're gonna be enlightened because you know whenever there's progress in the church is always hindrance there's always hindrance and as we read earlier there's always people standing in the way of progress whenever god is doing something in his body in the church there are always those trying to hinder the progress of the lord and i believe now it's the time where god is sitting and getting us to understand that even the early church had this similar problems and therefore we must not become discouraged nor should we become discontent or we should give up we should now realize that they face these things and we will face these things too but how they handled it is what we're gonna learn through this teaching today Paul and Barnabas were making significant impact for the Lord, reaching many who were lost and even forcing those who rejected the gospel to acknowledge that there was something different about their particular ministry. These that have turned the world upside down are come here also was the testimony of those which Paul and, and Barnabas impacted. Every city they came to, people saw them in this light because they had impact. I declare today, your church is going to have impact in your city. And wherever you're going to plant churches, people will recognize you by that statement. Here is this church that has turned this city upside down. Now they have come here too to turn our city upside down for Jesus. Can somebody give God praise in the house in Jesus' mighty name? This has not been an easy journey for Paul up to this point. There have been great victories, but they also, they also face great challenges and oppositions but yet they were determined to face every challenge in the strength that God provided for them. In the previous chapter Paul was assumed to be a god and yet when the Jews incited a riot those who were ready to worship Paul turned on him and stoned him believing him to be dead. Now we dealt with that in detail how the same people will praise you the same people that will shout crucify you how the same people that were that is willing to sacrifice for you is now willing to sacrifice you we spoke about that in in much much more detail in our previous teaching in part three so god had clearly had his hand upon paul and even an angry group of people was unable to kill him no doubt he was bruised and battered but he continued his work for the lord our text and our scriptures this morning we find paul and barnabas back at the at jerusalem among the believers one would assume that these things would have been relatively calm there, but opposition waited for Paul in Jerusalem. Soon after his return, a great dispute broke out in the church at Jerusalem. Now, we know sometimes when we come from great victories, the devil is always waiting for us, always ready to challenge us, always ready to discourage us. Therefore, we should now 
take a stand and learn from how Paul and Barnabas faced the devil that tried to rise up against them. Something that wanted to discredit their, their, their labor in the Lord and how they dealt with this issue. So it's always something so exciting for me, something so interesting because, you know, many a times we find people has gone to the mission fields or gone to the evangelistic fields or went out doing some great work for the Lord and they return and they have to face some devil or demon that is fighting their progress. And we find this many a times in the church. And I pray today that through this teaching, as I was motivated and encouraged again to continue for the Lord, that you would have that same zeal and tenacity to continue. So Paul and Barnabas, Peter and James were all present and they all possessed a godly type of restraint and type of discipline, you know, that they had. They had restraint. They, 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 they carried themselves very well. Now, it would have been easy to have become an angered, you know, with those who were busy disputing with him. But they handled the situation with wisdom and care. If you have served the Lord within the church for any length of time, we know, hallelujah, that we are not strangers to, to, to disagreements and arguments and so forth. We have, we have been through, and each and every person has had their fair share at time because we all are human. And there are times humanity manifests and shows itself. Disagreements, disputes, and conflicts will arise. But those who are successful in turning the world upside down for Jesus have learned how to handle these situations. And when we see even what William Carey in the introduction, when he had that resistance, he had a word in his heart, he knew God sent him, and he turned India upside down. He did a great work in there that is remembered for ages to come. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. When we look at all the great guys, I'm sure Hudson Taylor and all these guys had resistance to what God wanted them to do. But these guys didn't allow that resistance or that to anything to constrain them. They did not allow anything to limit them. They did not allow anything to restrict them. But they carried on with the work of the Lord and we see that the rest is history. When we look at, when we look at all these wonderful guys that had great impact in the world, they at Livingston and everybody else, they had great, great impact. We're going to look at about three things in this particular topic today, and we're going to ask the Lord to enlighten us and encourage us. The first thing we're going to look at, 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 at the disagreement or the dispute among the assembly and what happened there. The next thing we're going to look at in this particular text or, or teaching is the discernment of the apostles. And then we're going to look at... Um, the, the, the final point in this particular text we're going to look at is the declaration of the apostles. The declaration of the apostles. It's very exciting. So when we go to verse 7, let's read verse 7 again. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brethren, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe it. Hallelujah. We find there was much, much, much disputing at this point in the Jerusalem, at this, at this, at this Jerusalem meeting. And that doesn't appear to be a small disagreement. You know, it looked like it was a heavy confrontation. It was a heated argument. And we're going to look and we're going to zoom into this closer. When we go back to verse 5, we see something very important here. But certain ones of the sect of the Pharisees who had believed stood up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to direct them to observe the law of Moses. Because that is now what we are dealing with here. They wanted the, they wanted the Gentile believers to get circumcised because this they wanted to basically add to what Jesus Christ has done. And we're going to learn later on in the lesson that we don't 
don't have Jesus plus. It's only what Jesus Christ has done and faith in what he has done. There's nothing that we need to add to salvation. That's going to be very key because even in our generation, we see there are many Jesus plus movements, many Jesus plus things. People want people to do extra things in order for them to secure their salvation or in order to be saved. But we know that it's only belief. And we know that when we're going to look at this, it's going to, it's going to bring us back to places where we are dealing with certain of these issues even in our cities and in our nations where people has burdened people with things that are not biblical but we're going to read through this and we're going to work through this and you're going to see how this will enlighten us to a place where we will now know that we will impact the world greater when we make it Jesus only faith in what he has done for us will save us from our sins in Jesus name hallelujah and so really this should come as no surprise jesus had more problems with the pharisees and religious elite leadership than he did with those among the world these were typically very legalistic and intolerant of those who had views different than their own we know john the baptist everybody had their fair share with the pharisees sadly this confrontation originated by those who were part of the assembly so they were in-house it was an in-house fight we need to we need to just we just need to say that it was in house hallelujah it was amongst the church and we have this disputes going on in on in our churches today and now we've got a platform facebook and we see people are challenging one another and it, it looks crazy it looks crazy when we are on facebook challenging one another in front of the lost world and so these may have believed in christ but they were determined to have their way concerning their view as well so they, they they were believers but yet they had their own view and that that is what we have many a times you know each and every church say um this is how we do it and i believe that is not how we should do it we should do what the bible says and you know there's very interesting things that comes out of this particular chapter 15 when we find out how paul and him dealt with it you know not only did they want to voice their opinion but they also gave they gave um how can i say they they, they gave the holy spirit the, the floor in order to make the decision and that is, that is something that amazes me in this particular text and how many times are we finding ourselves in the body of christ amongst people and we have this disputes and we have not given room to the holy spirit all that we have done in most of the disputes is this is my way this is what i believe this is what my church believes this is what my denomination believes but the holy spirit has nothing and the bible says the holy spirit is the overseer of the church and we need to make him the main speaker or the main decision maker especially in church disputes and so when we look at this and we understand that we have said many times that satan often gets more credit than he deserves right in many parts of the world the church faces great opposition from without but sadly in certain countries most churches conflicts originates from within if we are to be effective for the lord making a difference in our communities there must be unity among the church a church that's divided or jesus said this if anything that's divided will not be able to stand and we as a church sometimes in our communities in our cities are so divided the world looks at us and we look as like a mockery and i pray that god will unite us we we, we might not agree on everything no one 
is perfect in his revelation or his theology. The only thing that I believe we should have right is Jesus Christ and him crucified. And we are not saying that we should not have um, crazy belief systems, but the most important is the blood of Jesus Christ, understanding the cross, understanding the way of salvation and everything that has to do with the doctrine of Jesus Christ and of God. So we need to know all these things and we cannot come up with things that are crazy, like I'm saying, but some years, somehow, somewhere, there are things that we differ in. And I'm, most of the times, doctrines has brought obviously splits in and division in the body of Christ. But I pray there will come a day that we will be able to that we will be able to embrace each other's differences and know that we all do not have everything as perfect as we think we have it. Sometimes I would use that terminology. We think we have it right. We think that we understand. We think that we have the full revelation, but all of us are continuously learning. So we need to know that if we want to be effective in our community, effective in our city, we need to understand the power of unity. We will never reach the loss or increased membership in our churches if there is a fussing and a fighting about the church. Most people don't enjoy the type of environment that isn't, I mean, who wants to be where there's fighting and, and disputing and continuously division? I've seen that already where there's fights and disputes, divisions, visitors come to the church and they don't want to come back. Visitors come to the place or people come to attend the church and there's disputes and fighting amongst leaders. They don't want to be there. They don't want to be in that in that in that in that, 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 that doesn't look like God or doesn't represent God or his kingdom. And so we need to be very, very careful. And we see now here, these people, Paul and them came up to Jerusalem because of what happened and they came back and they, 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 were, now, they were now faced with this particular challenge of these religious people. And we find this man where people are so religious, you know, that they want to, they want to enforce people to do certain things that they are not even themselves doing right. And that is wrong. So now let's look at this, 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 this thing, the, the disgruntled people. Let's look at what the opinion was. In verse 1 and 5, the Bible says, And a certain man which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except he be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. That was what they were saying. You cannot be saved. So Jesus plus circumcision only gets you saved. And I know, like I said earlier on, there's many churches that there's the plus in, and that does not work. You must only believe in Jesus Christ and him and what he has done for us on the cross of Calvary and believe through that, through the sacrificial death and resurrection and power of Jesus Christ that now you can be saved. Bible says if you believe in your heart, and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. Didn't say when you are saved, then you must be circumcised. Paul even had to say, you know, Paul uses sometimes words we find in Philippians. You know, Paul doesn't actually call it even circumcision anymore. He's actually now turned that word into something that that, that sounds more, you know, he, he doesn't speak about a cutting of the flesh or anything. He spoke, he speaks more, you know, he uses, um, how can I say, words that are more, you know, that, that makes people realize that this, this is no more a, 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 a something that needs to be observed. This thing has passed. This thing has passed and it means mentions in the Colossian church is now the circumcision of the heart, not of the flesh, of the heart. And so we look back and the Bible says in verse 5, But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Now we are not here to keep the law of Moses anymore. We are here to keep the law of Christ. And that is very important. I read something, I read something from a guy called C. R-C-H Lenskai. R-C-H Lenskai. Let's read this. 
to add anything to Christ as being necessary to salvation, say circumcision or any human work of any kind, is to deny that Christ is the complete Savior, is to put something human on par with Him, yea, to make it the crowning point that is fatal. A bridge to heaven that is built of 99 out of 100 for Christ, even only one out of 100 of anything human breaks down at the joint and ceases to be a bridge. Even if Christ be taught as carrying us 999 miles of the way and something merely human be required for the last mile, this would leave us hanging in the air with heaven being, with heaven being still far away. So we need to understand those who believe that ceremony or ritual plays a, a part in salvation have denied the truth that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law, including circumcision. Let's go to th two verses that confirms this in the word of God. Two verses that confirms this in the word of God. And so we're going to turn in our Bibles. We're going to turn to the book of Romans, Romans 3 and verse 28. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Man is justified by faith in part, um, sorry, apart from the works of the law. Another verse to confirm that is Galatians chapter 2 verse 16. Galatians chapter 2 verse 16. I think if you're making notes, it's good to write because you can now defend what you believe. Uh, many times we cannot defend because we do not have proof. We do not have scripture. So Romans 3, 28 and Galatians 2 verse 16. Let's read it. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus through faith in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. These had apparently accepted the fact that Jesus was the Christ, the Savior of the world, but they rejected the idea that faith in Him alone was sufficient to secure our salvation. As we will see, the dispute concerned the Gentile believers and the Pharisees wanted to force them to be circumcised in order to confirm or to validate their salvation. Jesus had not taught this to be necessary and Paul was not placing that burden on the new believers. This was nothing more than, an old, than a traditional preference. The Jews wanted the Gentiles to conform to the Old Testament tradition. They placed tradition above the teachings of Christ. So what were these legalistic um, people always or, or legalistic people trying to, to achieve? What were they trying to do? And why was this so dangerous? We're going to look into this. They were tempting to mix law and grace and to pour the new wine into the ancient brittle wine skins. They were they were stitching up the, the rented veil and blocking the new and living way to God that Jesus had opened when he died on the cross. They were rebuilding the walls between Jews and Gentiles that Jesus had torn down on the cross when the middle wall of partition was broken down. They were putting the heavy Jewish yoke on Gentiles' shoulders and asking the church to move out of the sunlight back into the shadows. They were saying a Gentile must first become a Jew before he can become a Christian. It is not sufficient for them simply to trust Christ alone. And many people are following that. You know that people think they must become Jewish in order to be saved correctly or live under the blessings. 
And that's not true. And we will see as we continue in this teaching. Amen. And they wanted them to obey Moses. Several important issues are involved here. Not the least of which is the work of Christ on the cross as declared in the message of the gospel. God pronounces a curse on anyone who preaches any other gospel than the gospel of grace of God found in Jesus Christ, his son. When any religious leader says, unless you belong to our group, you cannot be saved. Or unless you participate in our ceremonies and keep our rules, you cannot be saved. He is adding to the gospel and denying the finished work of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul wrote his epistle to the Galatians to make it clear that salvation is holy by grace through faith in Christ plus nothing. Many today are not effective in ministry because they hang on their traditions. And we are not supposed to, ha to hang on our traditions. In many ways, it can be beneficial, but we cannot allow traditions to then now pump up, con or pump up convictions in the hearts of people. We need to be careful. We must be willing to follow the leading of the Lord, even if it requires doing something different. We cannot develop a preconceived way of how God does things and that is acceptable and expect God to just accept it. We must be willing to engage and welcome all people into our services, seeking to reach for Christ. Hallelujah. To reach Christ, we need to bring them. But we must not, we must not put a constraint on this gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. There's no need in placing burdens upon those who need Christ just so they can, will conform to our idea, our, our ideas or ways of doing things. Let's look at the powerful way in how the apostles address this, this situation, how they discern the situation. When we speak on the discernment of the apostles in verse 7 to 9, we look at the apostles' discernment and how they measured this, um, this gruntled Jews. The Bible says in Proverbs 18 verse 13, He who hears a matter before he hears the facts, it is folly and shame to him. So they listened. They wanted to hear. They wanted the full layout of what was the problem. If we are to maintain a positive influence that is effective in ministry, we do need proper discernment when conflict arises. Because if we don't, we're then going to cause something to, that is a moly to become a mountain. There are some fundamentals we must always consider when we find, when we look at how Peter spoke. The first thing that we look at when Peter spoke was, Peter looked at the sovereignty of God in verse 7. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made a choice among us, sovereignty, that the Gentiles by my mouth would should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Now we know this is when that when that four that blanket or that sheet descended from heaven, and the Lord said to Peter, Kill and Eat. Peter first argued with the Lord, but then the Lord kept repeating and the blanket was lifted up back. And that is how Peter now influenced Cornelius. So Peter reveals the reasoning behind this argument. And that is so important. I love this. You know, he brought how God led him to minister to the Gentiles. And God didn't say they need to be circumcised. God led him to Cornelius. Cornelius then had an, they ministered the gospel. And at that moment, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they believed. And, and it's amazing. It's amazing. Hallelujah. And so God's sovereignty working through Paul and in the hearts of the Gentiles. So they ministered. They were ministers to people. They could try 
and tried to refute the ministry of, of Paul if they desired, but they needed to know they were in fact working against the Lord as well if they were fighting with Paul because they received this instruction from the Lord. We need wisdom and grace to discern the will of God among us and properly respond to what he is doing around us. There is much that we are unsure of at times, but the Lord desires us to seek him. He desires us to seek him so that we can be guided to know his will. He desires us to seek him so that we may save them which are lost. We would do well to draw close to God in times where we need to know what to do in such a way that we can discern and hear the voice of the Lord and move forward with him in an effort to evangelize the lost and encourage the believer. He will accomplish his purpose whether we agree or not. He would gladly use us in ministry, but he doesn't have to. And God is so amazing in the way he does it. I thank God by his grace that he's using me to preach the gospel on platforms and all around the world on, through Facebook and through the means that has that is, that is enabled me. And I pray that God will use you. All that you need to do is just follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. The next thing that we see how Paul deals with this, um, the discernment of the apostles is the salvation of the Gentiles. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving the Holy Spirit, even as he did unto us. Peter revealed that God had ordained that the gospel be taken to the Gentiles. And as I said, he did this through Peter when Peter went to Cornelius and Paul and Barnabas also reached out to the Gentiles. They were from a different race of people and from different cultural backgrounds. But the grace of God had brought salvation to Gentile believers. The gospel was preached unto them and they responded in salvation, receiving the Holy Ghost just as the Jewish believers had received it. We need to understand that the gift of the Holy Spirit only belongs to the redeemed. And that proved that they have received the Spirit which in turn affirmed that their salvation was genuine because the Holy Spirit only belongs to the redeemed. When we consider these words, we are reminded that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes to the Father except through him. There are many ways of salvation. There are not many ways, sorry, of salvation, but God doesn't view people, race, class, color of your skin, or ethnic group. He sees them all as sinners and in need of salvation. His offer of grace has been extended to all for whosoever believeth shall be saved, and all can receive salvation through Jesus Christ. The drunk in the gutter is saved by the same way a child that is raised up in the church by the grace of God. And so a Jew must be saved, so a Gentile must be saved through the grace of God. Therefore, we would do well to remember that salvation is of the Lord, and it's not any of man's abilities or man's devices. All receive salvation come through Jesus Christ. The Gentiles received sanctification. The sanctification of the Gentiles. Verse 9, I put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Many of the Jews were having a hard time accepting the fact that the Gentiles had been made a part of God's family. They questioned the salvation and likely had no intention but worshipping with them, but eating with them. And we've seen this and Peter even became prejudiced and Paul had to rebuke him because when James' friends came to visit him, then Peter now um, um, separated him from the Gentile believers and went to sit and Peter had to, and Paul had to sharply rebuke him. So Peter reminds them that God had saved them and what is so no difference in a born-again Gentile than what he saw in a born-again Jew. God erased those differences. 
For centuries, God had put a difference between Jews and Gentiles. And it was the task of the Jewish religious leaders to protect and maintain that difference. Jesus told that the Jews' dietary um, laws had nothing to do with inner holiness. And Peter learned that lesson again when he had the vision on the housetop at Joppa. They were all called to be children of God. Ever since the work of Christ on Calvary, God has made no difference between Jews and Gentiles as far as sin or salvation is concerned. Sinners can have their, part, their hearts purified only by faith in Christ. Salvation is not keeping the laws. We would accept Peter to conclude his defense by saying, they the Gentiles shall be saved even as the Jews. But he said just the reverse. He said, we Jews shall be saved even as they. That must have been shocking. There must have been a wave going through that crowd, amen, of how this whole thing has played out. So whether the Jews liked it or not, God had accepted the Gentiles. We have been accepted. And I thank God today that it's by grace. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. This is so amazing. Therefore, this thing spoke so to me as I considered seeking to make a difference for Christ in my day. Hallelujah. There can be little doubt that our nation has come a long way in regard to racial equality and we see this in South Africa it's been broken walls have been broken though there's some struggle still but the thing has been broken but there's still a sense of spiritual discrimination in our churches many have the idea of whom God would save and whom he wouldn't said in some congregations certain believers are yelled at arm's length they are never fully embraced as they should be so we need to make this clear there are no second-class Christians. All who are born again are part of the family of God. <coughs> we are all going to the same heaven and we serve the same Lord. Man may try and place separation among believers, but God doesn't do that. It isn't about our skin colors, our backgrounds, our bank accounts. It isn't about where we work or whom we associate with. It's about being saved by the grace of God. And if you are saved, every believer is your brother or your sister in Christ. Fellowship embraces all who attend and we must continue to do so. The third and final point I want us to focus on today is the declaration of the apostles, verse 10 and 12. Here we find how Peter, Paul and Barnabas concluded their discussion concerning this disagreement or dispute. They didn't resort to petty arguments, but offered biblical truths. We can learn from their wisdom. We find when we look at this particular text. Hallelujah. The first thing that they brought enlightenment to, they first brought enlightenment to the inability of the law. Verse 10. Now, therefore, why tempted God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither your Sorry, our fathers, nor we were able to bear. So Peter declared that it was unacceptable to force the Gentiles to bear a burden, keeping the law that neither they nor their fathers were able to keep. The description of the law as a heavy, as a heavy yoke was a good, a good, a good example. Describing the legalism of the scribes and Pharisees, Jesus said they tie up heavy loads and lay them upon man's shoulders. Christ said this in the Gospels, in the book of Matthew 23 and verse 4 and Luke 11 verse 46. So it was foolish of this legalist to expect Gentiles now to, to shoulder a burden they themselves found too heavy to bear and rejoice to be freed from. 
you will have to agree that this practice continues today. Many churches uphold the banner of Christ preaching salvation through him alone and yet they shackle people with undue burdens. Often tradition long yelled opinions are yelled in the same regard as scripture which is diabolical. I would never advocate abandoning biblical standards but many today are bound by legalistic traditions and we need to break that in the name of Jesus Christ. Then there is the security of the Lord, verse 11. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved even as they were. They must and they must the they must have been enraged this legalist but peter declared the gentile believers had received the same salvation as the jews they had come the same way and they were just saved even without circumcision peter kept his focus on this primary objective reaching souls for christ he refused to be sidetracked by disagreement many churches today have lost the focus and the objective and have become ineffective in our society and in our communities for the Lord because they are consumed with these petty disagreements. Much of what the church today majors on, I have little value or little worth in eternity. May we keep our eyes on the Lord and focus on the work he has given us. We cannot afford to allow insignificant disagreements to hinder our labor for the lost. Let's look at this wonderful time now when Paul and Barnabas, there's a silence and the Bible now says, they now testify of what the Lord has done. Hallelujah. Verse 12, then all the multitude kept silent and gave an audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles, wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by then. Paul and Barnabas addressed this congregation to offer now irrefutable evidence of the hand of God at work among the Gentiles. The Jews may have had an opinion, but Paul had facts. He had witnesses first and the miracles and wonders of God resulting in the salvation of the Gentiles. In the end, rather than arguing, Paul gave praise to the one who deserved it all. The church can argue and fuss all it wants to, but the saying goes, the proof is in the pudding. Church that are turning the world upside down for Jesus will experience tangible results that will change the lives of people. I pray that we will draw nigh to the Lord so that we too can experience His presence and His power. When we begin to move, we don't have to defend our position. We will then be able to point the doubters to the work of God and give Him the praise. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Churches will experience, as I conclude now, churches will experience conflict from time to time. We are all human, and even at our best, our humanity will show at times. The key is how we handle tough times. If we are to be effective in reaching the lost, we must keep our focus on the main objective. We can't afford to get sidetracked down to senseless disagreements. Jesus is the only way of salvation. Apart from him, there is no hope. However, we need to be reminded that all who come to him in salvation receive salvation we receive. Our focus must be on working together for the glory of God and for the good of our fellow men. Maybe you are here today and you have not been saved and you have heard this message. Maybe you feel as if your sins has taken you beyond salvation. But today I've got news for you. Hallelujah. That is exactly what the enemy wants us to believe. 
And I can assure you today, none of us are beyond the reach of God's grace. If He has spoken to you today, please respond to His call. You can be saved by grace today. Hallelujah. We can be justified by faith in Jesus Christ. By faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you today. As you have listened to this message, let's remember that the church, the church that there was limitations that they wanted to place on the church, but we are breaking free. We're going to go forth. We're going to declare the word of the Lord. We're going to see souls saved. We're going to see people coming into salvation. We're going to see people being liberated. We're going to see people being raised from the uttermost, and they're going to be set free. The power of the enemy is going to be broken upon the lives of many people, and we're going to experience great great liberty in our day are you ready let's go forward let's turn the world upside down for jesus christ amen and amen